Hi, my name is Ashton Fish, and I am the Sound Mind podcast and blog host. Today, Gina Thompson, grief recovery specialist, is going to be talking about loss and grief. I hope you enjoy the episode today. Well, welcome, Gina, to our call today to the Sound Mind podcast and blog. I'm so thankful to have you on. Gina is a grief recovery specialist, and many people on here don't know you. So, Gina, could you tell us a little, a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Gina Thompson. I am a grief recovery specialist certified and trained by the Grief Recovery Institute. It's a nonprofit organization established over 35 years ago. I am not a therapist or a counselor. I am just a normal person. But because of the recovery that I've experienced from grief, I have a heart and a passion to help the brokenhearted um, adults and, and the children that those adults are supporting. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on here because I think right now this topic and our conversation today is so important because we are all in a season of loss that I mean, I don't think we've ever experienced. I mean, this is a local to global uh, pandemic and, and loss right now of people's you know, lives, their jobs, a lot of people's purposes. Um, and so can you give us a little bit uh, greater understanding of what is grief? Just fundamentally, what yeah, is grief? Absolutely. So the first definition that I use that we use with Grief Recovery Institute for Grief is grief is the normal and natural reaction to loss of any kind. Unfortunately, everything we learn from society about how to deal with grief is not normal, it's not natural, and it's not helpful. It's the one thing we all actually share in common. Every single person on earth is a griever. We, and we all grieve at 100%. There are no 50% grievers. So while the intensity of the grief that we experience can be different for each person, the fact that we're all grievers is shared by every single one of us. Um, we are paying a huge emotional price tag for what is going on right now in, uh, globally um, in, our, in our globe, in our communities, in our homes. We're all paying an emotional price tag for that. The second definition that really um, hits close to home with what we're all experiencing right now is that grief is the conflicting feelings brought on by the end or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And that so accurately describes the grief that we're all experiencing today. There are 40, um, more than 40 life experiences that can, cause, um, that can cause grief. Two of the most common that most people would attribute to grief are death and divorce, but there's so many more. And I want people to understand that what we're all experiencing today is a grieving experience because, like I said, it's the conflicting feelings brought on by the end or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. Yeah, and right there, and I've taken your class a couple of times, and I think that um, I am not a very good griever. <laughs> um, I have struggled with that in my own life and I've heard a lot of bad information about how to yeah. grieve. Um, so can you just give us a little wisdom and insight? What are some of the misinformation we learn about grief? Absolutely. So generally speaking, there are six myths or misinformation that we learn about grief. And so the first one that I think is probably being used the most right now is telling people don't feel bad because you know somebody could have it worse or um, don't feel bad you're still at home or don't feel bad you still have your family but the truth is by the time a child in society is 15 years old they'd already heard more than 23,000 times that they shouldn't feel bad and if they do they shouldn't tell anybody 
So just for fun, let's reverse that notion. And instead of saying, don't feel bad, how about if we were to say, don't feel good, which is probably something that none of us have ever heard. Yeah. People don't walk around going, don't feel good. But imagine a kid went to mom and dad and said, hey, even in the midst of all of this, I got an A on that exam. And the parents said, don't feel good. I'm sure you're going to do worse next time. <laughs> or maybe we have someone, you know, I, I know I've had my own struggles with uh, our current life stay at home situation. And, you know, maybe I'm having a great day and I say to a, a dear friend, you know what, things are good today. Today's been a good day. Like my workflow has been good. My life has been good. I felt peace. And that friend were to say to me, don't feel good. I'm sure things are going to get worse. Well, for the most part, we're allowed to have positive, happy, and joyful emotions. And we rarely have to justify or explain when we feel good. But on the other hand, sad, painful, or negative emotions are almost always met with, don't feel bad, or you shouldn't feel that way. And my question is, why not? Why should we not feel bad when something bad happens to us? Why should we not feel sad when sad life events happen? Why is it okay to feel good when something good happens, but it's not okay to feel bad when something sad or painful happens? It's normal and natural to feel happy in response to positive events, and it's equally normal and natural to feel sad in response to negative events. Feeling good is not a problem, and feeling bad is not a problem. Feeling bad just is, and feeling good just is. And these are just feelings. We have to stop trying to fix them. The second myth or piece of misinformation that we learn from our parents, you know, the truth is we learn these <laughs> fortunate myths and misinformation from the people who raised us. And that wasn't any real ill will on their part. They did the best they could with the information that they had. But unfortunately, they passed on some misinformation about how to deal with grief and loss. So our second one is to replace it. So I've shared this example before. When I was 19, my cat Shuey died. And I'd had Shuey since I was four years old. And so she lived a long, fabulous life. And in the midst of a, um, what could, I could look back on now and go was a very difficult home life and a troubling childhood with, with some um, unfortunate events that happened. My cat was the constant of just unconditional love, which, I know there's non-cat people out there right now who are cringing, so you can just imagine it was a dog. <laughs> the truth is, my cat was a place for me to have unconditional love. And, and when she died, my heart broke. And I had a very, very well-meaning friend who, um, out of the goodness of her heart, the next day, the day after I had to put my cat to sleep, came over with a brand new kitten for me. And I was grateful and it was thoughtful, but that kitten could never replace Shuey. And that kitten could never replace the love and the bond and the connection that I had with my childhood animal. And in fact, I just was reading an article today about, um, you know, it's a fortunate thing that a lot of our animal shelters across the nation are being emptied. But how many of those people are bringing home or fostering or adopting animals to replace the loss and the grief that they're experiencing right now? Um, so that's just a challenge. It's something to think about. Um, another myth or piece of misinformation is to be strong for others. And I know right now a lot of us are feeling the need to be strong for our children or for our parents, for our colleagues or our friends. And I fall into that one as well. It is definitely a misinformation and a myth that I fall back on. 
Um, so we might be thinking we need to be strong for others, but what happens when we're strong for everyone else? So I'll tell you what's happened to me. The last four Saturdays, by the time Saturday rolls around and it's the end of my work week and I don't have any obligations, I'm emotionally exhausted. Um, there's a couple Saturdays where I was just physically exhausted from the stress of having to carry myself and to be strong for everybody. Um, the problem with being strong for other people is that it doesn't allow me to experience my own grief. And so it's something that I'm working on in myself right now is giving myself space and room to grieve so that I'm not carrying that misinformation and I'm not trying to just be strong for everybody else. I'm realizing I have to allow myself to grieve as well. The fourth um, myth about how to deal with grief and loss is to grieve alone. So a lot of us are told when we're children, if you're going to cry, go to your room. Or maybe as a teenager or young adult or even a kid, oh, let's just leave them alone. They're crying. They're having a moment. Let's just have them, let them have their moment. But unfortunately, grieving alone never actually helps you recover from your loss. So just don't do it. And don't let anybody around you do it either. Don't allow people around you to grieve alone. It will never ever help them recover or get over the loss that they've experienced. Um, the fifth myth is that if we just give it time, it's gonna get better. And we're kind of in this permanent, you know, um, well, permanent, temporary, but it feels permanent situation right now where it's like, well, you know, eventually it's going to all go back and eventually it's going to get better. And if we just give it time or if we just give our grief time, you know, I'm sure we all know people that have been grieving the same loss for 10 or 20 or 30, even 40 years, and they haven't gotten better. And that's because time does nothing to heal our broken heart. It's like the myth that if you have a huge gash on your arm and um, you're just waiting for it to get better. No, we, if we have a huge gash in our arm, we don't wait for it to just get better. We get medical help. We get medical mm -hmm. attention to help us with that gash. Well, I'm sure we all know a lot of people who have a big gash in their heart and time is not going to help them to get better. And so finally, um, you know, I'm sure many of us have heard this last bit of uh, misinformation about how to deal with grief and loss was I just need to keep busy. Like somehow keeping busy is gonna make the grief go away. All that it's gonna do is mask the grief. The grief isn't gonna go away. It's just gonna cover it up. Loss is cumulative and cumulatively negative and it doesn't get better with time. It actually, unfortunately, it gets worse. Yeah, that is so true. And like you were saying in there, I think all of us right now are experiencing this great loss. We have all of these false things that maybe we know about loss and grief. Um, and I know that my wife and I, we've been just having a harder time just doing basic things like just working, yes. cooking, or just getting things done in our day. And um, you taught us something when we went to one of your seminars called STIRBS. And um, so can you kind of break down STIRBS first? But I want to give you this question to go into it. Um, what are the things we do when we don't want to feel? Yeah, absolutely. So let me, t I want to touch really quickly on, um, on, uh, on what you just said about, um, uh, okay, I'm going to go for it and I'll come back to that. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> so how we deal with, um, how do we deal with um, things when we don't want to feel? So how we 
deal with what we don't want we, when we don't want to feel is called STIRBs. And STIRBs are short-term energy relieving behaviors or numbing out. So STIRBs are the things that we do when we don't want to feel. So what happens is we have this grief and it builds up and it causes um, this anxiety and it causes this buildup of almost like a pressure cooker of this pressure and it's building up and it's building up because we're not dealing with our grief. And so we keep trying to push it down and push it down. But then we add more grief on top of it, more grief on top of that. And then it just keeps building and building and building until it finally explodes. And when it explodes, that's when we stir because we have all this energy that we have to deal with. So what we do when we have that energy is that we turn to things that we think are gonna make us feel good, but it's just a short-term relief for that. So our STIRBs, the short-term energy relieving behaviors, give us the illusion of providing relief. And we usually learn them from our family and the culture around us. Um, and we've got to relieve the energy somehow that's built up and we find ourselves doing things to relieve or distract us from that energy. So Ashton, maybe like you, maybe you've had this problem, maybe you can identify somebody in your life that's had mm -hmm. this maybe a problem with food. So I'm a comfort and that's one of my stirrups that I turn to when I don't want to feel the grief, when I just want to numb out from the grief that I'm feeling, I'll comfort eat. So maybe way back when in my childhood, somebody said to me, here, don't feel bad, have a cookie, you'll feel better. Well, the truth is I won't actually feel better, I'll just feel different. And that's what stirrups do. They don't actually make you feel better, they make you feel different. So some other examples of stirrups that people turn to in their life are, like I said, food, comfort eating. Um, uh, re-therapy is a big one. I know right now we're not actually able to get out and get into the stores, but maybe it's online retail therapy and, and um, looking at you know shopping online, um, electronics, um, reality TV, that's one of my stirrups. Um, um, for some people, it's alcohol and drugs. Um, maybe it's pornography or um, movies and television. Um, like I said, one of my stirrups is comfort eating. And so um, I've said it before, but if you ever see me with a bag of puffed Cheetos, I give you permission <laughs> to stop me and go, are you okay? <laughs> because that's me stirring, because that's one of my go-to stirrups when I don't want to feel the energy of the grief that I'm experiencing, and I want that short-term numbing out, then my go-to that I want is Puff Cheetos. Um, thankfully, I'm surrounded by people who are familiar with my serves, and so we'll kind of call each other out, and we'll say, hey, are you okay? Because I've noticed, I've done it with my daughter before, when she's been studying and said, um, her, one of her stirrups is goldfish crackers. And so I'll, I'll just ask her, Hey, are you all right? Like you're really hitting those goldfish pretty hard right now. And, um, it'll give us an opportunity to talk about what it is that she's experiencing. Is it grief that's going on? Not every stirrup though is not everything is a stirrup because for some people exercise is a stirrup, but it can also be just a healthy life choice. It can mm -hmm release of anxiety and, and, and um, it can be for mental health. So I had somebody ask me um, if their exercise was disturbed and we broke it down and um, she was running because it, it is good for her mental health. It helps her to center, it helps her to work things out. She's not running away for what she's thinking. She uses her running 
to actually connect with what's going on in her heart and her mind. And so um, in that case, exercise would not be a stir, it would be self-help. But for some people, they recognize exercise is a stir. It's something that they turn to when they don't want to feel. So even after you relieve or end your participation in the short-term energy relieving behavior, guess what you're still left with? You're left with your grief. Mm -hmm. So what I want everyone to hear is that there is nothing wrong with you. Grief is the normal and natural reaction to loss. It is not abnormal or unnatural in any way at all. That's so good. Thank you, Gina, for breaking that down. And um, I think my dad was also a Puff Cheeto uh, stirrer. So um, I, I frequently saw him with Puff Cheetos too. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> But so it kind of leaves us with a question then. So then how do we grieve in a healthy way? And we talked about some unhealthy ways with disturbs, but how do we grieve in a healthy way? That's such a good and important question. So we have choices about how we're going to respond to our grief. And I'm so glad that you gave the example of you and your wife having a hard time just kind of concentrating. And, and that's one of the results of grief is an inability to be present in your own life, an inability to concentrate on what's going on. So just kind of as a side note um, to everybody, be very gentle with yourself right now. It's so easy to be distracted. And that is the result of grief. It's just the need to stay present in your life. And so with that, tell the truth if you're not fine. That's one of the first things you can do is to tell the truth. Second, be very gentle with yourself and be intentional about your self-care. And so think about the things that you can do that can be a healthy response to your grief. Instead of disturbing, what is something that you can do that will be healthy for your physical, your emotional, your mental, and your spiritual health? And also identify and name and give a voice to your feelings. So saying I'm fine is a lie. It's not true. If somebody were to ask you, if they, the people around us recognize when we're not okay because we cut off those vibes. Even though we think we're acting fine, we're not actually fine. So think about what would be a more truthful statement than I'm fine. And the truth is real recovery comes from completing your grief. And that's where delving more into regular grief recovery group could be helpful, where you get more tools and opportunity to complete the grief that's, that's accumulated, that's, um, that's in your life. That's so good. And so that's some good uh, tips for us personally, but we also know that we're not the only ones that are grieving right now in our, in our lives. And so how do we support others around us in grief? So there was a research study that was done several years ago that identified 141 comments that grieving people heard in the first three days um, following the death of someone important to them. So the grieving people themselves said that some were helpful and some weren't. So of those 141 things that were said to grieving people, unfortunately, only 19 of them were helpful. So that leaves 122 unhelpful things that were said to grievers. And that's just about 85% of the comments that a person hears um, following the death of somebody that's close to them were not helpful and was not helpful and was not valuable. So the number one thing that was not helpful that was said to people was, um, I know how you feel. And the truth is, 
they have absolutely no idea how that person feels. While they can relate to perhaps the loss that they've experienced, every relationship is unique and therefore um, the grief involved with that relationship is unique as well. So if, if in our time together, if anybody takes anything from this, please for the rest of your life, I beg you, never ever again say, I know how you feel because you don't. You don't know how anybody feels. The grief is unique and the grief is individual to that person. That's so good. And real quick, just because I got to be so authentic and real during this podcast and vlog. So I'm in Yosemite right now and my six month old's inside and I have three other people who are working inside. It's loud. And so my deck uh, where I'm at is the only quiet place. Well, yeah. A storm just rolled through and it was starting oh. to rain on me oh my while we were talking. So thankfully I, I put the umbrella up and it's not bad rain, but I just had to say, wow, that was, uh, this is just a funny and hilarious Unexpected. Kind of life, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh and my we're God. all dealing and that's it, right? It's, it's the ender change in a familiar pattern of behavior. Again, that's a definition of grief, you know? You're sitting there, probably, I'm sure you've probably done other um, Zoom meetings and stuff out. Yep out and in the in the back and and on the deck and gosh darn it now this familiar is being rocked again i have to move and so yeah it just adds to adds to our grief well and and just being authentic with you and and like you said the thing is you you want to get hard on yourself my first thought was oh you dummy like you should have found somewhere else you know what i mean like <laughs> i didn't know a storm was gonna you know roll in the mountains so right. i think taking that self-care and giving yourself yeah. grace in the season um, to laugh at yourself, but also just to say, okay, let me be real. This is what's going on. And yeah, uh, you know what? And, and to be very gentle with yourself and to decrease your expectations. And so for the month that I've been working from home, I've decreased my expectations of myself, you know, just in terms of my everyday life. There's things that I do that give me joy. And those are things I'm continuing to do because they fill me up. Um, so for instance, I'm cooking from home more often, which I, love doing. I absolutely love doing. And for me, that's a part of my self-care during this season. And, and the benefit is I'm taking wonderful care of my family as well. Um, but there's other areas of my life, um, you know, to be completely honest with you, I'm getting emails. And so I'm having to be very gentle with myself and realize, okay, the ones that are important, I'm, I'm immediately taken care of. And the rest of them, I know they're not going anywhere. I know where they are and I'm not going to take care of them. So I'm decreasing my expectations and just taking very good care of myself in this season. That's so good. And, and it, you kind of broke up a little bit there. You were saying you were oh. giving yourself grace in emails, right? So, yes. and, I, and oh my gosh, can we just be real? I'm getting emails and social media notifications. It's just, it's crazy right now. Just to, yeah. you know, I feel like there's a Zoom call or something trying to help me every day. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this helping me? I don't know. Um, right. <laughs> but this goes into something that I wanted to focus on because I think you said something so profound that we do not know how anyone feels. And that is such a great key for all of us right now, not to try to pretend that we know how others feel. Um, so what are some other helpful things to say to someone who's grieving? Yeah. So, you know, another really important piece I want everybody to take away is that it's so important to know that grievers are not broken. Therefore, they do not need to be fixed. And that is so important to recognize that they have a broken heart, but they're not a broken person. So you don't need to try and fix them. 
but some things you can do to support somebody who's brokenhearted and grieving is this simple phrase, I can't imagine how you feel. And, um, or to say, I can't imagine how devastating or how heartbreaking or frustrating that this must have been for you or that this is for you right now. Every relationship is unique, therefore every griever is unique and you cannot know how they feel. So to say, I can't imagine is always a truthful statement that will never offend the griever. And then, like I said, just remember, they're not broken. Our grievers and the people around us are not broken, therefore they don't need to be fixed. Um, a second um, thing you can do to support the grievers that are around you is to listen with your heart and not your head. And so when we think about it, all of the grievers in our lives, they don't have a broken head, they have a broken heart. So we like literally need to take all of that head knowledge and move it down one foot and put it in our heart. Allow all grievers the emotions that they have and allow them to be expressed without judgment, without criticism, or not, and without analysis. They don't need to be analyzed. They don't need to be judged. They don't need to be criticized. They need someone to just listen with their heart. And I love the image that we have in grief recovery, which is just a heart with ears. So as you're listening to a griever, realizing I don't need to fix them, they don't have a broken head, they have a broken heart. And the best thing I can do for them right now is to just be a heart with ears. We all kind of assume we know what's going on with the people around us. We're all experiencing the same grief um, with this pandemic and the result of it and um, having to stay safe and stay home. But don't assume that you know why somebody is grieving. So one thing you can do is just so incredibly simple is to just say, what happened? So like I said, don't assume that you know why someone is grieving. Most people will avoid the question of what happened. They just either assume that they know what it is or maybe they're afraid to ask. But we find that most grievers feel isolated and that they want mm -hmm. to ask them. They want somebody to say, what happened? That this can be, that grief can be so isolating for them and just saying what happened is a really non-judgmental and supportive way of saying, I'm here to listen without judgment, without analysis, and without criticism. That's so good. And I, I will admit that um, I need to do better at this. And if my wife listens to this, which I'm sure she will, she'll be like, yep, Ashton, I just need you right now just to listen. I don't need you to fix the situation. Right. And I think right. so often we try to fix, and I think that's probably just our culture, our Western culture yeah. that is constantly trying to make things better, bigger, and stronger. And just for right. a moment, it's like, no, let's just be present. Let me sit with you in your loss. Let me sit with yeah. you in your pain. And yeah. in a sense, kind of the cliche, be a crying shoulder. And right, right. now, Absolutely. I think that's what we need is a crying shoulder. Yeah. And, and, and it's so easy for us to take it where um, when you're listening to a griever, we want, like you said, it's our culture. We want to fix people. We want to help people. But then to take it from, from here, from our head knowledge. And remember, no, this person doesn't have a broken head. They have a broken heart. And so the thing I can do to honor um, their unique relationship to the grief that they're experiencing is to just be a heart with yours and to listen. Yeah, that's so good. And if you're a thinker per person, you know, there's, if you look at Myers-Briggs, there's the, the feeling or the thinking type. Um, I'm definitely a thinking type. And so it's funny that you had to like say that to me to give me a thinking framework for a feeling framework. <laughs> and I think that it's important to have language like STURBS 
or like that, like, hey, you don't have a broken head right now, you have a broken heart. And some of you just need to learn that language to talk to a family member, a brother, a sister, a friend, say, hey, I understand there maybe are some other things. I'm not going to try to fix you right now. I'm just going right. to be present with you. And I think that's right. really great language yeah. um, for us. Good. Thank you, Gina. Thank you You're for welcome. putting that together. So the last um, thing is what resources would you recommend um, I know you have a couple here and I want to make sure that we get people resourced through. Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So I have an ebook. It's called, um, it's the grief recovery method guide for loss. And it's the 61 tips on the experience of grief and how to help people through it. And I know you're going to make that available through your podcast so that people can download this um, ebook PDF and it hits on everything and more about what I talked about. And so um, no need to take notes, literally just download that ebook, the, um, the information on the six myths and misinformation, information about STURBS or short-term energy relieving behaviors, all of that is in this ebook. And, um, and so uh, that'll be available. And then if people have additional questions or want to uh, reach out to me, um, my website is www.scvgriefrecovery.com. And that has my email contact, um, my phone number contact, and um, somebody wants to shoot me an email or a text or give me a call if they have questions, um, want some more information, or want information about how to go deeper into recovery from grief, then let me know. If I'm not in your area, I will put you in touch with a specialist in your area um, so, that, uh, so that you can get some help and some support with the grief that you're experiencing. Thank you so much, uh, Gina. You are such a gift um, to my family, but to everybody listening right now. And thank you for those resources. Um, the nice thing about these resources too is they, they fit a, the, the broadest audience. It's not just for religion or church. This grief, yeah. like you said, this is a common experience in all world major religions, all countries, humanity grieves. Yeah. And so um, please share this podcast, this vlog with your friends right now, because we're all struggling with this. And these resources will be on um, the vlog and podcast. And so if you're seeing this on social media right now, you're going to have to go to the podcast or vlog. You can just look up Sound Mind in any major platform and you'll find it there. Um, last thing I wanted to say today is I wanted to leave us with a scripture in Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And as Gina talked today, grieving is normal. It's normal what you're going through. If you will lean into your grief, if you won't deny it, but you will lean into it, there is a blessing that God has in there, a healing that God has in there, more intimacy with your loved ones that God wants to give you today. So I just want to encourage you today. It's okay to grieve. It's okay. You're normal. God's going to be with normal you. Normal and natural. Absolutely. Normal and natural. Normal um, and natural. Absolutely. And so, and just, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus embraced loss. Jesus was a man familiar with suffering. Jesus, we know, died on the cross. Like he understands what it's like to go through grief and loss. And Gina, you mentioned one of your favorite scriptures. I'll let you mention that in the Bible. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, it's just, the Lord is always reminding me when I'm talking about grief or working with grievers, our shortest verse in the word, Jesus wept. And it's just such a comfort to me that as I'm, you know, continuing, because even though I have these tools and I, I have this information, it has not made me immune to grief. I grieve as well. And so to know that Jesus understands and that he's right there and he's walking with me. And as I'm working through my own grief and supporting people who are grieving, I, I, am, uh, I am in very, very good hands. Yeah. And just hearing you say that, I don't, 
I don't normally get emotional, but I get emotional when I feel, you know, God's presence and his spirit and God's weeping with us right now. All this loss, all this pain. Um, I just, God's with us and he's weeping with us. And so I just want to encourage you to allow yourself to be with Jesus in this loss that God isn't just a God of victory and salvation. He's also a God that's with us in the dark times of our lives too and cares for us. So Gina, thank you so much for being on here today. I really appreciate you. you. And I'm really thankful, by the way, that you go to my church. So (laughs) super, super blessed to have you around. So thank you so much. And everybody have a great week. And remember, let's be good grievers. Thank you.